Well, good morning, all. My name is Greg Vaccaro. I'm one of the pastors here, and it's been quite a week. I'm glad you guys are here. This is going to be the more sane, or should I say more normal, service. Uh, next service is going to be full of kids, and we're going to be kids camp rocking out, right? Um, but this morning, I wanted to continue from where we were last Sunday, if you were with us. Last Sunday, we were talking about lessons from Saul and Ananias. And now this morning, I'm adding another guy into the mix. His name is Barnabas. Um, so if you weren't here uh, last Sunday, we were reading from Acts 9. I'm just going to catch you up really briefly if I could. All right. So we find this person, Saul, mentioned in the Bible. Saul is one that's known for persecuting Jews. Right. He, or when I say persecuting Jews, I really mean persecuting Christians. Right. So he's, he's a Jew. He's, he's coming from an orthodox position in faith, and he, he's not a believer in Jesus. He's not a fan that, that Jesus died and rose from the dead, and he's going and finding all the believers and trying to put them in prison and, in some cases, kill them. So, you know, we, we read last week how there was this man named Stephen that was appointed by the apostles, one of seven, to serve, and Stephen gets stoned, right? Stoned to death. And, and who's there watching this and kind of cheering the people on? It's Saul. So Saul is heading, he, he leaves that stoning and he's heading to a place called Damascus and he's heading with letters from the high priest to, from, from Jerusalem to Damascus that he can say, look, here's the list of believers that we believe are in your city. Tell me where they are. I want to go imprison them and I want to bring them back to Jerusalem. So as Saul's on his way the, to Damascus, this most amazing thing happens. We watched a video of it last week to kind of bring it to life, but he's on his way and all of a sudden Jesus just shows up. And, and even though it's daytime, like it says, there's a light that shines on, on Saul. And, and in the drama, it kind of made the, the light get dark, and, and then you could see the light of Jesus. But Jesus talks to Saul and says, Saul, why are you persecuting me? And, and finally, like Saul is, is overcome. He's trying to, he's like, no, this can't be Jesus. And he goes to, to get Jesus, and then Jesus just puts his hands out, and Saul like falls back. He's just blown away by the power of God. So he leaves that encounter blind. Now he's helpless. And Jesus tells him, I want you to go into Damascus and wait. Doesn't tell him how long, but it's recorded that it was three days and three nights with no food or water. So imagine if you're Saul, like you're a driven type A kind of person, right? And, and now not only does Jesus arrest you right in the middle of what you're doing, you realize the path you've been heading that you thought was a righteous path is actually the unrighteous path. And you've got to go totally in the opposite direction. And now God says, wait. Yeah, it doesn't go over big with us sometimes, huh? To wait. How many of you like waiting? You know, like, you know, you, you get in line at the bank and it's a 20-minute wait. Would that be? You go to the DMV, it's a 30-minute wait. Wait a minute, there's only one wait I know longer. That's at the Chick-fil-A drive-thru. No, just kidding, Casey. <laughs> Sometimes that drive-thru, they, it goes fast, but the line looks long, doesn't it, if you've ever been to the Chick-fil-A in Nashua? Um, but yeah, God tells Saul to wait. We don't like waiting, but sometimes waiting is part of the process. So Fast forward, Saul's in Damascus, and now God puts it on this man named Ananias. This is one of the guys we looked at last week. And he tells Ananias, I want you to go and pray for this man named Saul. And Ananias is like, God, you got the right person? Like, I know all about Saul. Saul is persecuting Christians. Hello, I'm a Christian. I don't want to go pray for this guy. And God says, no, I've given Saul a vision that you're going to come and pray for him. It's going to be okay. Don't worry. I want you to go and pray for him. 
All right, Ananias is like scared to death of Saul and, and probably terrified of disobeying the Lord, both at the same time if that's possible. But he goes in obedience to, to Saul, and this is what he says to him, Brother Saul. All right, really? This is a guy that's been killing Christians, imprisoning your friends, and you're going to call him brother? Like, it's one thing to pray for a person. It's one thing to forgive. But to extend the greeting brother, that's, that's incredible, right? But Saul, I mean, Ananias says to Saul, brother Saul, and then he prays for him, and Saul regains his sight. So I'm going to just spend a moment and go to a portion that we didn't read last week. It's out of Acts 22. This is what Saul says later in the book of Acts. He's actually now known as Paul. And he's, Paul, uh, Paul has, has just his presence in Jerusalem has incited a riot, which sometimes that happens with Paul, if, if you know Paul. But uh, in the midst of the Roman soldiers trying to extract him so he doesn't get killed, he's like, wait, 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 I want to be able to tell these Jews my testimony. And, and Paul starts telling him his testimony. And this is what he says about Ananias. He is the Ananias here. Ananias came and stood beside me and said, Brother Saul, regain your sight. And at that very moment I could see. And then he told me, The God of our ancestors has chosen you to know his will and to see the righteous one and hear him speak. For you're to be his witness, telling everyone what you've seen and heard. What are you waiting for? Get up and be baptized. Have your sins washed away by calling on the name of the Lord. You know, this is so powerful because... For Ananias to speak these words over Saul, it was really prophetic. This wasn't where Saul was, but it was where Saul was going. And, And you know, sometimes God uses me and you, similar to Ananias, where we need to look at situations and kind of speak, where is it going? Not where have you been? Like you could have said, Saul, you're a loser. Like you've done this. You're the biggest sinner alive. You've killed this... He didn't rail on Saul for what he'd done. He didn't call out his sin. He called out his future. And see, that's what God wants to do in you and me, that he's not looking at our past. He's looking at where we are, will we turn to him, and now what's ahead of us. And so often, like if Saul had been caught in the rearview mirror, he would never have become Paul. He wouldn't have done all the things that that God had called him to do. But Ananias is speaking words of truth and really words of prophecy over, over Saul. And that's a powerful thing, that that we can look at someone and not see them for who they are, but see them for who they're going to become. You know, if if you're a mom or a dad, did you ever have that moment with your kid, like they're being really, really naughty and defiant? And then you say, you know what, God's going to take that strong will and he's going to use it for his kingdom. Like that's the time that we kind of, we speak out, where is God going? Not, not where have you been? Not that you're a naughty kid and you're the worst kid. Like we don't want to speak death over our kids. We want to speak life over them. And the same thing works with a coworker or, or a friend of yours that, that maybe he's got that annoying spirit. You know what? God's going to take that perseverance. He's going to take, you know, what, what these attitudes and he's going to use it for his kingdom. Maybe he just needs to mold it a little bit. So it's how we speak life to one another. That's what Ananias did for Saul. So now we're going to continue on in the story. We're going to learn about Barnabas. All right, that's my catch up for you. Um, If you want to read with me, I'm going to be reading from the New Living Translation. We're going to read it once through, then we're going to talk about it, but I'm not going to show you the verses again. So if you want to pull out your phone to to NLT on your Bible app, you can do that or or read with me and, and then just remember. But we're going to start in Acts 9 and we're going to read 19 to 27. So afterward, this is after Ananias prays over Saul and he receives his sight. 
Um, afterwards, Saul ate some food and regained his strength. So Saul stays with the believers in Damascus for a few days, and immediately he began preaching about Jesus in the synagogue, saying, He is indeed the Son of God. All who heard him were amazed. Isn't this the man who caused such devastation among Jesus' followers in Jerusalem, they asked? And didn't he come here to arrest them and take them in chains to the leading priests? Saul's preaching became more and more powerful, and the Jews in Damascus couldn't refute his proofs that Jesus was indeed the Messiah. After a while, some of the Jews plotted together to kill him. They were watching for him day and night at the city gate so they could murder him. But Saul was told about their plot. So during the night, some of the other believers lowered him in a large basket through an opening in the city wall. And when Saul arrived in Jerusalem, he tried to meet with the believers, but they were all afraid of him. They did not believe he had truly become a believer. Then Barnabas brought him to the apostles and told them how Saul had seen the Lord on his way to Damascus and how the Lord had spoken to Saul. And he also told them that Saul had preached boldly in the name of Jesus in Damascus. That's a crazy story, isn't it? Right? To, to just see that, all right, Saul not only gets converted, but now he's preaching with such fervor and, and debating and arguing with the Jews that they want to murder him now, right? These, these, are, these were his friends just a week ago, and they're like, wait a minute, could this be the guy? Like, wasn't he the one persecuting? And now they're ready to murder him. So he needs to get rescued. He goes to Jerusalem. Nobody wants to know him in Jerusalem because they, don't, they haven't heard the story. Like, when he left, he was Saul, the, the Christian persecutor. Right? And now he comes back. Yeah, this is just a trick. He's trying to trick us, saying he's one of us. He's going to get us all together. And then he's going to kill us or imprison us. They don't believe him. So this man Barnabas appears out of like, where, where did Barnabas come from? Anybody know? Where did Barnabas come from? The first time we see Barnabas mentioned is in Acts 4. And actually, funny story, his name isn't Barnabas. That's his nickname. So Acts 4, 36 and 37 says, For instance, there was Joseph, one of the apostles nicknamed Barnabas, which means son of encouragement. And he was from the tribe of Levi, and he came from the island of Cyprus. He sold the field he owned and brought the money to the apostles. That's the only mention we have of Barnabas before this point in time. Right? So Barnabas, a.k.a. Joseph. Right? Anybody got a nickname here? Anybody known by their nickname? So growing up, fast fun fact, I had a lot of nicknames growing up. I'm the youngest of eight kids, and um, my, I have brothers that are twins, and I'm also a twin, so two sets of twins in, in the family of eight, right? And my brothers are five years older than me, and my brother Rob, I don't know, this is just who Rob is, like he's always giving people nicknames. So um, my nickname growing up was Zubby. Now, you may wonder, how do you get a nickname Zubby, right, from Greg? Well, if you've ever seen the movie which came out in the 60s, Zorba the Greek, right? So Zorba the Greek becomes Zorba the Greg, becomes Zorba, becomes Zubby, right? That's just the progression, or Zub-Zub at times, right? My sister would call me Zub-Zub. Um, so it's, it's kind of funny how we give each other nicknames, but actually that has nothing to do with how Joseph got the nickname Barnabas. They called him Barnabas, why? Because that's who he was. He was an encourager. 
right? And, and now today, like, you know, modern day, when, when if you're having a baby, a lot of people look at the name books, you know, and, and, and try to see, okay, what's the name? And I want to choose a name that represents what I think God is going to do in my child. Well, you know, if you blew it on the name, you could always come up with a nickname. You know, maybe use Barnabas if you want one. Um, so if you have a Joseph, you could call him Barnabas. I don't know how you get from one to the other. At least I gave you my progression, you know, on how I got to be Zubby. No one calls me Zubby anymore except some college friends that I see. They're like, hey, Zubby. And I'm like, wow, no one's called me that in 30 years. <laughs> you know? But um, anyway, that's, what's that? Just wait. Just wait. Yeah, now you're going to call me Zubby. No, I have different nicknames now. You can call me Dougie Fresh. That's, my, that's a common nickname right now for my son to call me that. Um, my middle name's Douglas. That's how you get to Dougie Fresh. But all right, so let's go. Saul's journey. Saul's journey. He didn't do everything right. Right? Sometimes we're like a Saul. We don't get it right. In fact, we do a lot of things wrong. Right? Saul was, was really a horrible person. Although he thought he was zealous for the Lord and for God's kingdom, he was actually fighting God's kingdom. It wasn't until Jesus told him. He was such a great debater that they were plotting his murder, right? I mean, it's, it's one thing to have all the knowledge in your head, but how he's debating it is not a way to win friends and influence people, you know? And, and I love what Nicky Gumbel said in one of his devotionals in the Bible in a Year um, devotional. He said, knowledge is like underwear. It's useful to have, but not necessary to show it off, right? I think Paul could have used that commentary as he's trying to go and debate with the Jews. He's just giving them proofs. Now, you see... Another fast fun fact, when did Saul become Paul? Anybody know? You do. When did he become Paul? Yeah, all right. So I'm not sure if it was on the island of Cyprus or not, but we find in, um, in Acts 13, Barnabas and Saul are both commissioned by the apostles. And, and Saul is sent out. And then Saul comes uh, upon the sorcerer. If you remember, he was trying to buy the, the Holy Spirit. And it says Saul, also known as Paul, that's the first time we see him recorded as Paul, was filled with the Holy Spirit. And then he confronts the sorcerer. You know, and, and while, while Saul had been, had, had been saved, I don't know that Saul was really filled with the Holy Spirit. It, it mentions that in Acts 13, and that's when his name goes from Saul to Paul, right at that mention that he's filled with the Holy Spirit, and then he confronts the sorcerer. You know, and I think at this time, Saul was still like, he was new in his faith in Jesus. God doesn't call us to argue and to debate and show proofs with people. Like we, that's not a way that we would try to present the gospel. Like what, what we see that, that Paul himself writes in the New Testament is it's God's kindness that leads us to repentance. We're supposed to love people, not debate with them and argue with them and, and, and go down, you know, uh, into such like they want to murder you. That's not, a, that's not a place to go to. So Psalm 127 says this, except the Lord builds the house, they labor in vain that build it. Right? That's a, a word maybe that, that we could learn and even apply to, to Saul. But So Saul continues to do his thing. Now he wouldn't have been, Saul never would have really come to know Jesus if Ananias didn't step up, right? Ananias going and ministering to Saul and calling him Brother Saul where we left last week was we said, okay, what did Ananias do? He loved first. He could have condemned Saul for who Saul was, but he chose to love him and call him brother. And now we find, all right, it's the church in Damascus that also steps up in a big way. Like, what if Saul had been murdered in Damascus? 
We wouldn't have two-thirds of the New Testament, right? We wouldn't have, have learned all the things that God wanted to do through this man. It was the believers in Damascus that helped save Paul. That's incredible, right? And, and now his reputation precedes him even in Jerusalem. All right, so the thing about reputations is this. You only have one chance to make a good first impression, right? And that first impression is kind of your reputation. I would tell my kids every day, first day of school, you get one chance to make a good first impression. Like, you be on your best behavior today of all days. Like, this is the day. Yes, ma'am. No, sir. Like, whatever you got to do for the teacher, for your classmates, you treat them all with love. You treat them with kindness. Because once you get a reputation, it's so hard to undo that. Saul had a reputation he couldn't overcome. Some of us might be like that, right? We've done bad stuff and we got this reputation. We can't get out of it. Saul needed a sponsor, so to speak. You ever heard of a sponsor, right? I mean, you, you got them in, in Alcoholics Anonymous. You have them in business too, right? There was people that, that sponsored me as I was growing in my career. There's others that I sponsored. The more I, I rose up, I sponsored others in terms of hiring them and, and bringing them along and, 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 and moving up the chain. So his reputation precedes him but Barnabas is there, right? If, if Barnabas wasn't there, what, what might have happened for Saul, right? The, the Jewish people in Jerusalem hadn't heard his story. They didn't want to hear it from him. They're like, we're not going to get in a meeting with Saul. This is a trick. He's just going to try to imprison us. So, all right, what are some lessons that we can take away from Saul? Well, first of all, not all of us are a Saul, right? That's a, that's a great lesson. We might have attributes of Saul. Like, I don't plan on, on writing, you know, two-thirds of, of the books on, on Christian uh, walking in faith, right? But, so not all of us are a Saul, but, but not all of us are an Ananias or, or a Barnabas either. Or, or perhaps not all of us are, are just one of the believers in Damascus. But can you see how it took all of them working, listening to the Holy Spirit? It took all of them working together. Saul wouldn't have become who he was without Ananias. He wouldn't have been who he was without a Barnabas. He wouldn't have been who he was without the other believers in Damascus. And you know, the thing that I'd like to get across this morning is that each of us have a story. It's an imperfect one, just like Saul's, right? None none of us are, we don't get it all right. Ananias and and Barnabas, we don't see their flaws here, but I'm sure they had flaws. They, They had imperfect stories. The believers in Damascus, I don't know their background, but I'm sure they were imperfect as well. But you see, God used all of these different puzzle pieces, so to speak, to come together in such a way for his kingdom. So what is your story and what does God have for you? What does he have for me? Like, what, what's, the, what's the part I'm to play or the part you're to play? Perhaps in the person sitting next to you or someone on the other side of the church or, or a neighbor or a friend at work or I don't know who it is, but like God has something for all of us. He's got a part for us to play. You know, I love what's up here on the wall. This is our Shiloh vision. It says to know God, find freedom, discover purpose, and make a difference. Right? And, and if you've been through our growth track, which we've kind of suspended, and we'll start again now with hope prayerfully in, in the fall, now that I'm going to believe this pandemic is over, right? Know God is us coming to, to know God for the first time. Right? It's, it's when we put our faith in who Jesus is. But no God isn't just a, a discrete moment in time. It's, it's something that has an initiation point. And then we continue to know him and we continue to get revealed of who he is. And, and as we get to know him, we find freedom. 
Freedom from what? Freedom from our sin. Freedom from our baggage. Like we're all carrying stuff around. The more we press into Jesus, we find freedom. And then we discover, God, you've put me here on this earth. You've wrote, you've wrote a story and you're writing a story in my life through, through the good times, through the bad times. That's all my story. It's all your story. There's a reason why you've gone through what you've gone through and what I've gone through. Because God's got a purpose for that. And as we take all of those things, then we move into what we call make a difference. You know, and what's, what's so incredible about Shiloh is we understand our purpose and we start to make a difference. That's how you take a church of this size and you have more than 120 volunteers at kids camp. Because people are like, I want to make a difference. I want to get involved. That's how we have over 100 volunteers at the food ministry. Right? It's just, it blows my mind to see how many of us are volunteering and engaged. Right? Today, there's a number, a whole team that's going to go to 1269, which is a ministry downtown that, that ministers to the homeless. And we make a meal every fourth Sunday of the month. And a whole team not only cooks it, but then takes it over there and serves it. It's people saying, God, I want to know you. I want to find freedom. Now, what's my purpose? All right, I can cook. I can love on people. I can just come and, and be the greeter at the door. That was my job this week. It's, it's not hard, but Lord, how do I get engaged? How do I make a difference? That's what we see from an Ananias. That's what we see from a Barnabas. That's what we see from the believers in Damascus. They're saying, God, if, if you've impacted my life, you've put me here for a purpose now. Now, how does my story intersect what, how are you going to use me? So where I'd like to end today is, what is your story? Many of us might look at our past and say, okay, that was a mistake. That was a failure. That's when I blew it. And it's like none of those count for anything. But you know what? In God's economy, nothing is wasted. Right? He takes our failures. He takes our tragedies. He takes our crises sometimes. And that's how we grow in our faith that we come out the other side stronger. 1 Corinthians 1 says, comfort others with the comfort you've received. Right? How, how do I receive comfort if I haven't had a time of mourning? How do I receive comfort if I haven't had a time of tragedy and then come out of that? And, and so many of us, we, we've got different life experiences. That's what the power of the diversity is we all come together. That, okay, maybe I can't minister to someone like you can, but that's why you're here. Right? I, I can minister in the way that God has called me and used me and, and my experiences, but, but I don't have all of life experiences. You're needed, and you're needed, and you're like, see what I'm saying? We all have a story. And, and then as we come together as the body of Christ, we all come together for our stories to intersect his story in what he's trying to do in the lives of those around us. And as we intersect those stories, you know what? They, they do something to us as well. Like, I, I, as I was greeting kids as they're walking in, it is just so cool to see them come back. And uh, Friday night, um, a grandfather brought his, his two kids in. And he's like, look, I can't stay tonight, but my grandkids really wanted to come in and say thank you to their crew leaders. So the kids just ran in, said thank you to the crew leaders, and then they ran out and they went you know, to do whatever they were going to do. They couldn't stay for the night. That's someone's story, that crew leader's story impacting, right? They took what they had. They were just volunteering, but, but they took what they had. God, I'm going to serve you. And it impacted these kids enough that we just want to come back just to say thank you. Right? How crazy is that? I was talking to a dad in the parking lot after we had the, the ice cream on, on Friday night. And uh, Tuesday night in Bible Adventure, um, 
my daughter, who teaches Bible Adventure, asked me if I would play the role of David, right? So we were in a cave. We got cave sounds. It's really, really dark. And then I kind of come out of the shadows, and, and I'm David, and I'm talking about how, how afraid I am and how pressed on every side Saul is hunting me. And, and as I tell him how afraid I am, this one little girl says, you should try counting to five. It really helps. I'm like, wow, that was amazing advice. Thank you. But I was telling them how I wrote psalms and I read them a psalm and, 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 and how we can pray to God. But you know what this dad told me in the parking lot? He goes, my son came home that night and was just, he was lit up because of that story and how he could pray to God, and just like seeing the Bible come to life. You know what? I'm not a great actor. My wife even told me, Greg, you're horrible. You're reading your lines. You're putting your glasses on to read your lines. Like, okay, I'm doing what I can do, but I'm available, right? It may not be I'm great, but I'm available. I'm a a willing volunteer. But you know what? What I chose to do in making a difference, it impacted a kid. All right, maybe you weren't here. A lot of us, if you're here at this service, you weren't part of kids' camp. I'm giving you stories about kids' camp. But what are you going to do this week? What am I going to do this week for my story to impact someone else's, right? It's all about how do we listen, how do we engage with the Lord to know him, to find freedom, to discover purpose, and then to go off and make a difference. And sometimes it's, it's the little things. Like, what would it look like for you to just speak a word of thanks and gratitude to a coworker this week, right? Or, or how about you notice someone in, you know, you're in that DMV line, it's been a 25-minute wait, and you get up there and you just say, hey, thanks, you know, you've got a, a huge line here. Thanks for doing everything you can do. I, I appreciate you. Instead of being like, bah, 25 minutes to wait in line. Like, you know, we can choose life or we can choose death, right? The next time you're in traffic, Maybe you turn to the guy next to you and smile at him instead of, you know, give him the, right? What would it look like for us to just be used by the Lord? You know, my wife is always like, Greg, you could let that person in. I'm like, no, it's a race. I've got to beat everybody on the highway. It's a race. Don't you know that it's a big game? She's like, what if you just said, here, go in front of me? Oh, it's hard. It's so hard to do that. Uh, so, so that's how I know I'm still fallible. I've got, I've got things I can learn, things I can grow. But would you stand with me as we close in prayer today? Well, Father God, I, I thank you, Lord, for this story about Ananias and Barnabas and the believers in Damascus. Lord, each of them played a role in Saul becoming Paul. God, and, and Lord, each of us this morning, we have a story. Lord, something you're, you're working in, in us and through us. Lord, each of us have a purpose on this life, Lord, and and that purpose is to then make a difference for your kingdom. So God, as we go forward this week, Lord, would would we remember you, Lord, and, and give you the first fruits of our day, Lord, and ask you, God, how would you use us today? Lord, what, what could we do that would uh, just show the love of Jesus to others and, and, uh, and show, show the, the love of the gospel that Jesus came to die for us? to die for us and to pay the price for our sins that we might have eternal life. So God, I pray your blessing over each one here. I pray your blessing over each one that may be watching this morning, God. Thank you for your faithfulness. Thank you that your promises are true. We pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, thanks so much for being here. Have a great Sunday. Enjoy the warm weather. God bless you all.